0: Alrighty folks, welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. This episode is an extremely, extremely exciting episode for us here at Exodus. We are dropping an all new line for us here at Exodus and it is a tailor built hunting arrow built specifically for your bow setup and we're calling it the Exodus MMT. Our goal here was to build an arrow that maintained momentum with a better trajectory for the moment of truth, and we give you the Exodus MMT. So in this recording here today, this podcast, Jake, Chad, and I sat down to discuss all things you need to know about the new Exodus MMT arrow, but real quick, I'll give you a quick rundown. Obviously, as I stated, this is a tailor-built hunting arrow. The arrow shafts come in a 300 and 350 spine option for you. The 350 spine weighs in at 9.0 grains per inch. This arrow shaft has a patented 4K carbon weave with a 1 to 1 ratio for increased torsion strength and durability and also eliminates weave gaps within your carbon shaft on the front end of the arrows you have a few different options for inserts you're going to have a brass option that comes in at 30 grains and you're going to have a aluminum t6 aluminum option that comes in at 10 grains also on the front end of the arrow, we are inserting a carbon inner tube. If you've listened to the Deer Gear podcast, you've heard the Fireknock Arrow Concept System. We are utilizing that within the Exodus MMT arrows to build a more efficient arrow, downrange quicker recovery times, and more maintained energy. Again, guys, these are tailor-built hunting arrows. This is going to come fully built from us to you. The craftsmanship that goes into these arrows is second to none. So if you guys are interested in hearing more about the Exodus MMT, this podcast is going to break down everything you need to know. But guys, this morning, Friday, June 24th, this morning, pre-sales are live. You can go to the website, exodusoutdoorgear.com. Go to the Exodus MMT 3D Builder and see exactly what your arrow is going to look like when it comes to you. So you select your draw weight your draw length and your point weight and what spine whether it's 300 or 350 and we will build that arrow specifically to your specs also real quick guys if you want a chance to get your hands on a dozen of the new exodus mmt arrows we're giving away five dozen and here's how you can enter to win all you have to do is leave me a written review on the podcast you can do this on my podcast the Exodus podcast and the land podcast we're giving away five dozen so guys if you've already left me a review all you have to do is update that review so any review after today June 24th you're going to be eligible to win a full dozen Taylor built Exodus MMT arrows try them out see if you like them let us know what you think and let's get into today's podcast
1: we're live and uh man this is an exciting one they're all exciting but this one's extra extra exciting it's been a long time coming in terms of uh everything i mean like you look back at the origins of the company exodus outdoor gear there for a while we were uh, going through an awkward phase of calling ourselves exodus trail cameras but our website was still exodus outdoor gear time to reel back in exodus Exodus outdoor gear is here and and the reason is because we have some exciting announcements before we get into that if you've been paying attention at all in terms of what we've been up to in terms of social updating the podcast, artwork, name, YouTube channel, um, brand new website, updated logo assets like the whole gambit for a brand. Like basically, we put our old brand book through a shredder. Here we are, updated, fresh, squeaky, squeaky clean version. But um, that's all pretty exciting. What do you think about that?
2: We've been dropping a little tidbits kind of like little crumbs along the way, leaving a trail. And kudos to anybody that's actually picked up on it. We've gotten, I've gotten a few DMs about like, Hey, what's, what are you guys doing here? What are you guys doing? Like, there's gotta be something coming. So there have been some people that have recognized kind of the strategic execution of what has happened over the last 30 days, maybe, maybe five weeks. Um, so kudos to those people, but we're super excited to finally bring this stuff to light. I mean, we've been working on Some of this stuff for, I don't know, 10 months, maybe actually it's probably closing in on 12 months um, on on the aero side. But like the last six weeks, it's been nose to the grindstone, new story video, updating all these assets, kind of going through that or undoing that awkward branding phase that we went through, which really relates to some early mistakes on our part as operators with the brand, making some wrong decisions with Boulder bikes and the, the ozone stuff. And losing money and trying to reel it back in and focus on what we knew, focus on what we were good at, and that was trail cameras. So here we are, fast forward five years, we've learned from our mistakes, and uh, kind of going for round two.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, maybe round four, technically, but a really a, a real fair shake at a, at a round two, or I guess uh, solidifying ourselves as uh, an outdoor gear company, and uh, <clears throat> before we like, get the cat officially out of the bag, um, new story video, so if you're curious to how Exodus started, what what things go on here and everything else um you get a pretty good, cool idea of what's going on new site hopefully you can navigate that that's been a that's a pretty old website prior so this is a new one very nice fresh and um, we also we have new SD cards on the website as well what else we got we got some fresh apparel
2: apparels dropping we got some hats uh, new shirt design coming from from coming from Casey
0: yeah there was a lot of um we we released the new podcast art and everyone's like, Oh man, that would make a sweet t shirt. Well, that design was made for a t shirt that we doubled as the podcast art. So that is coming. That's that's here. We have, have them here on the website. New hats. Hat designs turned out really, really sweet. So yeah, whole new look to to Exodus here.
1: Yeah, I guess brush merch. But uh it's it's the moment you guys have all been waiting for here. Um <laughs> And uh, I'll tell you this, man. Every time I've been sending an email out to partners, I, I get a chuckle. I'm kind of lame, but it's like this double entendre with every email because I'm like, we're getting ready to release a new product. We're getting ready to launch a new product. And this this product is, we're dropping an arrow line. And it's called the MMT, the XS MMT. What does that mean, Cameron? What is, the, what is the MMT?
0: The word came to me. We were brainstorming, like, what are we going to call this thing? And within the Deer Gear podcast, I have George Huang from Fireknock as a, a co-host a lot. And anytime he starts talking about cause and effect, he uses the word the moment. And you could just replay it in your head, like the moment, the moment, the moment, the moment. And anytime he talks about arrows, he always talks about the moment you do X. So that was my first initial reaction. I was like, we got to call this arrow the moment. You have the moment of truth, uh, the moment of impact, the moment. There's just so many different like double entendres, entendres that you can use for the word moment. And they're like, okay, well, uh, SEO, that's really not going to work. You have way too many things to compete with on that. So how do we shorten that down to make it make sense? And we came up with MMT. So the part of the, I'm sure we'll get into more of the arrow specifics, but the goal behind the arrow shafts is maintained momentum, better trajectory. MMT, maintained momentum, bleep out the B trajectory, better trajectory.
2: I'm not going to lie, man. When I, when I think of, when I think of the moment, my, my mind goes to like the m song. Oh yeah. song. That's, that's what I go to every time. Oh yeah. Like lose yourself. Yeah. That's where it goes.
1: It has a similar cadence of better pizza, uh, better people, Papa John's dude.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's
1: besides the point. Um, yeah, super, super excited. So what the hell is the MMT? So it's an arrow, it's an arrow line. So like, Oh cool. Yeah. You guys are, uh, you guys figured you guys can sell some arrows just like everybody else. Like where did this birth or where did this start? Cause I know it's, just not from a year ago.
2: Yeah. It's not just from a year ago. It's not just a, a cash grab or like a white label product. It's, you know, it's, it's none of that. We see that in the trail camera space with these flash in the pan companies, whether they're selling at Amazon or they're trying to be DTC or Omni, they claim to be DTC, but are Omni channel, you know, that's not our approach. We're not changing who we are as a company. We're not changing uh, our processes, our our marketing strategies. We're not deviating from the education. We're just simply going into another product category. Nothing else. Nothing else really changes. Obviously, there's some branding there, but I think when you know we go back to those early years, we had talks of building different a different e commerce experience in the in the arrow category. And Matt and I, you know, with the with the birth of Exodus coming from. But we had the idea of building a custom arrow solution via e-commerce before the e-commerce boom was happening, before all these other custom-built aero companies had a platform. We had talked about doing this back in 2016, 2017. The problem that we found then was, one, we were young, two, we were ignorant, um, you know, ignorant on from a standpoint, like we didn't really understand what it took to be successful in this space. Um and three, we were probably way too ambitious, trying to tackle way too many projects. And that that result was us trying to launch boulder bikes before the e-bike craze failure. It was us exploring ozone products with broken no sense systems. And we've talked about this in the seven year podcast, but that arrow brand or that e-commerce custom arrow builder, we were calling it Shawnee Striker. that's back then is where this idea kindly kind of originated from we never did anything with it because we had already made those mistakes and we needed to reel things in to be successful focus on what we were good at that was trail cameras and obviously you know going through those mistakes um we've kind of were known as exodus trail cameras there for i want to say four four or five years probably
1: for sure yeah i remember um first year going out to the great american outdoor show i asked the question like all right exodus outdoor gear what else we got cooking yeah, like, well, we got, well, we got the Shawnee striker. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, and he explained the process. So that's an awesome idea. Not in love with the name, but besides the point, because at that point, it was the idea of ordering custom arrows online was pretty foreign. Honestly, like you, you had to go to a pro shop or an archery shop to get your arrows. Uh, consumers are quickly realizing that that's not necessarily the case, and that's not the best place to get the best arrow for you, which is kind of crazy. You think when you have FaceTime, that would be the best, but. We've all, I guarantee we've all bought arrows and felt like, the I thought I was an idiot. Probably am, but he, he didn't take the point to teach you and explain, this is this is what you need because of what you're doing and all these different things. It's just like, here's a lineup. Um, it's September and everyone needs their arrows by October. And it's just a, a mad scurry. and You just kind of get the shuffle, the run around, And that's one of the core objectives of what we wanted to go the complete opposite direction.
2: Yeah, it's kind of mind boggling. And I think we've all... We've 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 all done this, right? We go out and spend a $1, 1200 dollars, $1, fifteen hundred dollars on a new bow. We spend X amount of hundreds of dollars on top of the line accessories. So we have two grand wrapped up into this bow platform, and then we end up with off the shelf arrows from a pro shop guy who really just sold us something because it was based on his opinion, not tailored to what we were shooting. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't, but with our approach, regardless if it's trail cameras, arrows, whatever we're talking about, like take the variables out of the equation and you'll have a lot better consistent success with whatever you're doing.
1: Yeah. And I think the, what I'm, what I'm really excited about here is going in, there's people that geek out about arrows and dive into it and want to become experts. This we're we're taking that out. You don't have to be an expert to get the best arrow for you. Like we've done the research. We have, uh, like we're building really high quality arrows with with strong components and like taking all the guesswork out of getting the best arrow for your adventures. Like if you're a whitetail guy and you want the best arrow that you can get for an affordable price, this is it.
2: Yeah, I know the website's live and whatnot. But like if someone is listening to this and hasn't gone over and checked out what that looks like, like walk us through the steps of that data input and what we're spitting out. So
1: right now if you went to the website and you're like hey i want to i want to try one of these arrows i want to see what's going on it's pretty simple everyone should know this about their setup uh but right now with how this custom this custom builder is uh, on the website you go in you select you want a dozen or half dozen go in, you put in your draw weight go put in your draw length put in your point weight and then the percentage of let off because that's going to change uh what type air, what type of arrow or spine you might need and then you get to pick between two different inserts. There's aluminum, T6 aluminum uh, insert and a brass insert as well. Go in, you can pick uh, the S Fire Knock or the Boning Blazer Knock. And then you get the beauty of this too, it buying custom arrows. Uh, Cameron, how long did it take you to get your custom arrows last year? Well,
0: oh, man, it was months, a couple months, almost two and a half months when I went through the, the e-commerce custom arrow builder.
1: So two months, the default on our website is ships within five business days. And if you want to get expedited uh build process and everything else, you can get get them in two to three business days or build time and then next business time, next business day. So just to clarify, that is build time. They are built within five business days and then they will ship. So you know, depending on where you're at in the country, they'll get there pretty fast. Like really, if you order them on a Monday, you should have them by uh, uh potentially, you know, early next week. So that's that's fast. That's huge. Cause these are custom, these are these aren't just batched arrows, these are built tailored for you for your setup this isn't just uh, slapping slapping together an arrow and calling custom
2: yeah there's a there's a lot more that goes into that even even beyond other custom let's say custom arrow solutions there are a few or several added steps that add some com- com- complexity to our build process and which i'm sure we'll get into some of that
1: yeah for sure but overall it's about as easy as it gets because that's what we wanted to do because we understand there is a there's a pain point man like you you want No one wants to go out and shoot crappy arrows or no one wants to go. They got this brand new bow. They're so excited. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to go hunting this season. They shoot an arrow like, Oh, that that flew like crap. This one flew like crap.
2: Those are the struggles that I went through last year from shooting an 80 pound bow, which I had less than stellar experiences with my arrows. And at the time, not understanding arrow characteristics, flight characteristics. It, it threw me for a whirlwind. Like I thought I had bow problems. I didn't have bow problems. I had spine problems. So becoming more educated on this process, diving down these wormholes and spending literally hours every single day for 10 months trying to learn as much as I can, it gets to a point where there is no major return for gaining this knowledge other than if you can communicate it to other folks, you're saving them time. So like for people that want to dive down the wormholes, that's, that's awesome. But I'm telling you, there's not tangible... There's not a tangible return in gaining that knowledge other than you knowing you like you fully understand the process.
0: Yeah, and in, th- in this process you need to know what a handful of things. You need to know your draw weight, you need to know your draw length, you need to know what point you're shooting, and you need to know if you have a preference on brass or aluminum, which is just a weight preference. So, that's it. That's the all basics. you got to know.
2: The
1: basics. Yeah. And so this this the spines on there explain a little bit about what that means, though, because we have a 300 and a 350. So, um, explain to us a little bit about what that might mean for people as they're going on shopping. Well,
2: there's a, when you start talking about spine, there's a couple different things you need to talk about: static spine and then dynamic spine. Your static spine is basically those data points that you're entering: your point weight, your draw length, and your draw weight. Like those are the things that are going to categorize you into a specific static spine, which is just the measurement of deflection in the arrow shaft. When you, again, like some of the stuff gets a little more complicated when you start looking at the dynamic spine, you're talking about how that arrow is reacting in flight once the work from your bow has been applied, which is a whole separate ball of worms. But from a from a consumer standpoint on the arrow builder, like you're looking at static spine based on what data inputs you're putting in, which is really, really important because that's going to put you into um, either it, it is or it isn't going to put you in a spine that's suitable for your setup. So like that is the very basics. That is the very starting point. Like you need to have your static spine selected correctly for your setup, because if you're not like myself shooting an eighty pound bow, thirty inch draw, I was shooting two hundred and fifty spine arrows last year. They were underspined. So being underspined, I had to play with point weight. I got down like I was forced to shoot a seventy five grain broadhead because I was so far underspined. So I had to to lower my front end weight to make those things fly, which wasn't really, you know, there's not, not a whole lot of broadhead options at 75 grains. So I ended up shooting hundred grains, fletched the back ends and just lived with it, which it worked out, but that's not again, like you take, take out the variables, be consistent and make sure that you have this stuff figured out before hunting season. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, um, what spine is this thing? So that's another thing like, uh, micro diameters, all the craze right now. What, what spine, uh, are we, what, what spine is the MMT?
2: Diameter. Sorry. Okay. So the spine's offered in 350s and 300s, which a 350 spine, and again, we'll go through our build process and what we're doing there. Our process is a lot different than 95% of the other arrow manufacturers or the other world. Um, so our arrows are going to react a little bit shorter when you're comparing them like a 30-inch arrow to a 30-inch arrow. Our build's going to react like a 25-inch arrow or a 26-inch arrow, not a 30-inch arrow, but we'll get into that. Um, but diameter wise, we're starting with a 246.
1: Uh, why? Why do we decide that?
2: Well, there's some science there um, behind rate of recovery, some material property items, which honestly gets pretty pretty complicated. Uh, I don't. We don't like. We need to do some more testing to sh- to visually show because we could talk about this stuff, but people aren't interested in in hearing subjective opinions. They need to see. Show me, not tell me. So we have some more content coming out based on why we chose to start with 246s and not 204s or 166s and some of that relates to again our marketing approach and being transparent no smoke and mirrors Um, you know when you start talking about aero straightness straightness and different skews from different manufacturers the production process like there's a lot of stuff there that companies are charging people more money for that it isn't any different than a, than a cheaper arrow.
0: And another, on the diameter, another, another simple um, reason as to why is, number one, that's the standard, that's the standard shaft. 246 is the standard shaft. So component selecting and everything, that's going to be your, your baseline. That's your standard. So the build process is easier and the shaft itself is just going to be a little bit easier to deal with.
1: Absolutely. Okay. So, and, and I think something, you know, like how... Beyond, um, you know, like trying to solve this issue of uh, selling, the, you know, tailoring an arrow for someone. The the interesting thing is, it's kind of a, to so you just mentioned, a misinformed or underinformed product category, similar to what trail cameras were during 2015, 2016. So, what what excites you about arrows in terms of educating people about archery and um, arrows in general?
2: I think there's, you know, when you start comparing it to the trail camera space back in 15 and 16, there are some similarities. There is information out there, um, but it's not coming, it's coming more from personalities than it is coming from brands. Easton does a great job. You know, when you get in their blogs, um, they do a great job on educating people, but most of the information is coming more from personalities than it is manufacturers. So then when you start getting into specific specifics around, you know, what someone is shooting, like as far as a bow setup, uh, what their shot execution, what that process looks like, that changes with everybody. So something that works for, you know, X personality, Y personality is probably doing something a little bit different. And when you pick up X or pick up Y and and shoot what they're doing, like it's probably going to be a little bit different for you even. So educating from a, from a brand standpoint and and allowing people to know, like, hey, these are the nuances, these are the variables. I think that plays a bigger part of individual success than taking, you know, advice from whether it's replicating what I'm doing or replicating what anyone else is doing. So
1: you're saying I shouldn't try to have the same arrow as a guy shooting trad with a micro. That's exactly arrow, what I'm saying. Heavy? <laughs> because it works that's good exactly for it works yeah. good for a trad bow, then man, it's gotta be great for a compound. <laughs> right. That that's not right. Just for anyone that didn't pick the sarcasm <laughs> up. So yeah, I think that's that's a really good point. And I think that uh should this be a, a, a fun thing to to dive into more to more depth. But any other, I guess, pieces of mis- misinformation that we need to address. I know you mentioned uh like the straightness example um yeah. briefly, uh in the production uh, of that. But is there a point where diving into this topic, it is it's almost a, a level of diminishing returns. Like you're, you're splitting hairs of uh, overcomplicating this process. And, and this is kind of just trying to simplify it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I think if anyone is listening to this podcast and they've tuned into the Gear podcast, the Cameron hosts and has listened to an episode with Dorge talk, I think that that is overcomplicating the process. Like when he's talking about performance um, gains, Performance differences, like he is counting the half percent. Like I can get a half percent better by doing X. I can do, I can get a half percent faster by, or more half percent more velocity by doing Y. And like you, you do all these things to the extremes, and maybe in total your your performance is two percent better than what it was before. But you spent, you know, I don't know, a thousand dollars on all these different accessories or bolt kits and yada yada yada. And at the end of the day, you're two percent better. Is 2% going to make the difference on a shot on a whitetail? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, let's face it. We're shooting these things under 30 yards most of the time. Not super tough hides. You know, we all have, I guess, those horror stories of that one errant shot or bad shot. But the long and short of it is, like, the further you get down this wormhole, the less return you're going to have. So we're saving everyone the process of having to do that, basically. Yes. Uh, uh, We've been there. We've done. (laughs) Yeah, we did it. You're welcome. (laughs) It's frustrating. It is frustrating to, to to some degree, yes. Yeah, picture someone
1: standing in the whiteboard like point A to point B, <laughs> and then the other one was like still getting back to the same spot. But by golly, you learned everything along the way, uh, off the direct path. So let's talk a little bit about some more problems that you know the MMT is really trying, you know, at least solving. So right now, a lot of attention, heavy arrows, high FOC. What is uh what does that mean in coordination of these arrows?
2: Well, we're kind of going the other direction. Like when you start looking at the trend of um high FOC, like these builds are somewhere between kind of eight and twelve percent is kind of standard. Now you can you can change that a little bit with your broadhead weight. You just have to account for that, you know, uh up front when on the on a static spine. You know, the the heavier point weight you're using, the more deflection you're gonna have, have in that arrow. But I think um, you know, everybody's concerned about momentum or penetration and mass favors penetration mass favors or momentum favors mass excuse me i, I misspoke there mass penetration favors mass When you start looking at kinetic energy and momentum in those calculations velocity kinetic energy favors favors velocity momentum favors mass so when you start going down these wormholes um with the with kind of what Troy Fowler is talking about the ranch Ferry when he starts talking about this stuff. His process isn't that much different than what, than what we're preaching or what, the way we're tackling things. We're both changing the dynamic spine of the shaft to get it to fly. Like whatever flies out of your bow, that's what you need to shoot, right? But we're trying to do that or we are doing that without losing velocity. The other way around is you change point weight, you change the dynamic spine, you settle your arrow down, but you're doing that by losing velocity. Now you're gaining are you gaining momentum? Yes, you are gaining some momentum because you're adding mass, but you're losing velocity. The key there is at what point do you have enough momentum, enough kinetic energy to pass through anything in North America? Right? And that that number, or that metric, like if you start looking at momentum, it's somewhere around 48 slug feet. Like that's the that's the unit of measurement when you start talking about momentum. That's enough momentum to pass through anything in North America. And if you can get there with better trajectory because you have better velocity, like if you're going above and beyond that 48 slug feet, like you're, you're hurting yourself. You're, you're losing, you're losing velocity. So those are the things to, to think about. How do you have enough momentum, enough kinetic energy to kill whatever you're, you know, whatever you're hunting with having the best flight characteristics. And in our opinion, it's not doing that, you know, slowing your arrow down, isn't giving you that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And one of, I think to help illustrate that too, would be um that real tree calculator there's a on their website uh, to go in and, and calculate that stuff too like if if that, if you're curious what that looks like and going in and tinkering with arrow weight and arrow speed and what that looks like do you have i know you messed around with that tool anything you want to add to that
2: no that's uh, there's a couple good ones um out there on the web that is that is one good one mm-hmm. and so you can you
1: know change all those inputs and see what it says so um we kind of mentioned obviously taking out the guesswork like you know like we're taking that out like you just tell us what you have and we're going to build you the best arrow possible for you and uh save you from uh getting the giant headache trying to learn all this and getting more confused along the process the other thing too is talk a little bit about the uh, patent shaft design and how it has improved safety
2: yeah um so the shaft itself is a it's a carbon weave shaft it's not it's not a molded shaft um and then the weave pattern is a one-to-one ratio where a lot, of, a lot of manufacturers, a lot of shafts are um, a one to two. So what that does is it gives us more even strength. Like when you start looking at a, a circle or a shaft 360 degrees, it gives us better strength in torsion. When that arrow is twisting and doing funky things, once it's in flight, it gives us um, better strength in tension and also in compression. So there's less deformity around that circle. Like if you were to take a circle, imagine like a balloon and you're poking your finger. And that balloon is kind of deforming in different, different ways. Like we have less of that because of the patented shaft design. Um, But it comes into the safety, the safety realm. When you think about shaft failures and like Cameron had a really, really close experience with that this spring when we were doing product testing and setting, doing different things with our bows, getting these things set up and starting to shoot. But because of the, because of the weave design, because of that ratio, these shafts tend to fracture and not splinter, which if you've ever seen that viral photo on social of some guy with a splintered arrow shaft completely through his hand or through his forearm, like that dude's picking thousands or tens of thousands of splinters out of his hand, which is nearly impossible. I'm not saying this shaft's not going to run through your hand if you have a failure, but it's not going to splinter the way a lot of other shafts do. And Cameron, you could probably talk on that a little bit.
0: Yeah, I just had a... Um... A freak accident happened where I had too much torque on my string, let it down. The bow blew up, the arrow shot. The arrow came in contact with my sight housing, and that particular arrow in the two points of contact with the sight housing, the arrow just snapped clean, breaks right over that. And as opposed to splintering and going everywhere and shooting shards of carbon. Through me or through the bow tech that was standing there, so it was two clean breaks right where that um, fracture happened, and I just took the arrow, threw it away, and I lived to shoot another arrow. So in a scenario where that may not be what you encounter, but if you have an arrow, you shoot it into the ground, you shoot it into a rock, and it has a little bit of a fracture or break in it already, and you shoot it, that arrow is not going to just go into a million pieces. It's just going to break cleanly, and go it separate ways and you don't have to worry about all the the negative side effects of having splintered carbon throughout your body.
1: Obviously, the safety thing's huge. That's very important. And um, it's not important until it is. And obviously, when if something goes south, like the lose the function of your hand is really scary. But beyond the safety aspects of the shaft, what are some of the high end components that we're using? Because I think that's something that really sets this arrow apart as well or not. Just throwing these things together with cheap components.
2: Yeah, I think when you, you know, when you start looking at custom build solutions, everybody thinks visual, right? Everybody thinks about like a certain color palette. They think about a certain wrap or having a cool design or or like a cool logo or like something of that nature. Like that is not the approach that we are taking. Like if if that if the component itself doesn't have some type of performance benefit, like we're not going to use it. That's, that's just the, that's just, that's just the approach that we're taking. So you will not see arrow wraps on our, on our shafts, like underneath the veins. And there's reasons for that. And there's probably an argument there from somebody saying, well, if I have a white wrap on my arrow, it's going to, it is going to help me from a performance standpoint, because I'm going to be able to see blood better. I'm going to be able to tell where the shot placement was. So what's our argument to that, Jake? We got white fletchings on there as well in a white water transfer pattern. Like there's white, there's, I don't know, five inches of white plus your veins for that specific reason. So when you look at the branding of the arrow, there's not some, again, going back to if it has performance uh, capabilities or perform an increase of performance, it needs to have a purpose is what I'm trying to say. If the component doesn't have a purpose, then we're not using it. That's why the water transfer pattern is white. That's why we're using white veins. Like there's a purpose behind that that kind of, Kills two birds with one stone.
0: And if your vein flies off because you have wraps on your arrows, you're not going to see the blood anyway.
2: That's exactly it. For sure.
1: And are you saying these arrows are ugly? I think they look pretty awesome.
2: I'm not saying they're ugly. I'm saying they are, they are timeless because there's not some gaudy wrap on them or some gaudy you know, uh, water transfer pattern saying they're zombie decapitators or whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to call them. And we all know like, exactly what I'm talking about. For sure.
1: Yep. So that's really important. Obviously this is uh, all the components are no nonsense. So let's talk a little bit about beyond the uh well we'll talk about the flushings. So why why did we pick what we did and what, what do they do different?
2: Yeah, so we sourced um obviously we have a relationship with with doors at Fireknock. Um I've shot I've shot uh, Aerovane 2 for on and off for several years. The downside is that they are they are a little bit pricey, but that's what we're using because that's what we believe is the best. Now there's science behind that. When you start looking at the stabilization and how that arrow comes into equilibrium, when you have like a bare shaft tuned arrow, and there's a flaw in that, in that shaft. So maybe you have a little bit of an errant flight. The tail of that arrow is impacting left or right of your point. Most of the times when you fletch that, the arrow straightens out. And it does that because of friction or drag. You're straightening that out because you're introducing friction into that equation. With friction or with drag, you lose velocity. Again, going back to MMT, putting a parachute
1: know, on the back of your arrow.
2: Essentially, yeah. So you're looking at the back of that that profile of that back end moving around, and you're you're minim, you're minimizing that. So, but the reason, I mean, that's that's the general job of of fletchings or or vanes is to stabilize the back end of the arrow. But you're doing that through friction. With most veins. Aerovane vein 2 doesn't do that. It uses lift. And the way it's designed is it creates an unbalance between upward and downward pressure as an arrow is rotating through the air to help make the revolutions per minute increase. So the faster it spins, it's like a bullet. Think of about a, bull- a bullet that tumbles versus a bullet that spins. Which one has better flight characteristics? The bullet that spins faster. So we're taking the same approach. We're trying to get a faster rate of revolutions without introducing a bunch of friction. And what that kind of equates is this, again, watch, watch the verbiage here. Better accuracy through better groupings at distance, less drag, less velocity deprivation. Huge. Really important. I it's think, very important. Uh,
1: I think uh, fletchings are probably overlooked um, with a lot of things. Like I think some people just pick them by a whim. Same thing. They look cool. Like I don't think Not most sure. people think about the, the the science of why this is the best fletching, like this is part of the components.
2: How does it make right. the arrow shot better? How does it help
1: me become a better shot in the moment of truth? see what I did there uh have the best performance <laughs> so uh as you're going through that builder too on the website we are we providing any sort of uh, lighted knocks for people if they would like to
2: Yeah, there's a bunch of different knock options, and I think this is something that I've been guilty of overlooking before I became educated on this, you know, in this, in this product category. But when you think about the knock, right? The knock of the arrow, like most people, like if it fits on your string and it comes off, people were good with it. Right. But when you think about the knock being the actual point of transfer of work from your bowstring to your, to your shaft, to your actual arrow, like the, the, the better those tolerances are, the the better your arrow is going to be be off.
0: More consistent. Yeah. The more
2: consistency, like you have an, you if you have a knock that's fitting on your center serving, and that that string's vibrating back and forth, hitting left, hitting right, hitting left, hitting right, and then it then it hits the throat of the knock. Like think about what that does. So there's a bunch of different knock options on there. We have fire knock, um, which are specifically for 108 to 112 thousands on your center serving. Most guys are like I well, I don't know what my center serving is. I've I've been there.
0: I don't think anyone knows.
2: Most people don't know, but for that specific reason, we also offer another high-quality knock from Boning, the Boning Blazer knock, that fits most, I guess, default uh, strings from from a bow manufacturer. So it's a double-click knock that has a wider throat that, that'll fit up to 120,000 center serving. In addition to that, we also have lighted knocks. Now we've had I've talked about lighted knocks on the, on the deer or, uh, on Gear Gadget. I've shot. Again, this isn't, I don't want to bash anybody here, but I've shot Nocturnal, I've shot Luminock, I've played around with Glory Knock, and I've shot Fire Knock. Fire Knock is the only knock, only lighted knock, personally, that I have ever used that works every single time the way it's supposed to. They don't turn on when you're knocking your arrow up in, up in your tree stand and you have this glowing blue or glowing green thing up there in, at, at dawn or dusk. Like that doesn't happen. And when you shoot the dang things, they go off. And they turn them off, You just turn them vertical and drop them. You don't have to dig out your pocket knife or try to use your thumbnail or whatever else to get things turned off.
0: Damage the knock with your knife.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a gamut of scenarios there. So running through the knock stuff. um, If you're not shooting a lighted knock, uh, again, I've talked about this because I had so many problems with lighted knocks, nocturnals, the glory knocks, all those other, other lighted knock options. I just went back to a, a white plain knock because that, is what showed up on camera best. That is what I could see. um, the flight like after I shot an arrow, like in the timber, that's visually that's what I could see best. So the the boning blazer knock is white for those folks who have those same concerns. Super important.
1: Well I mean when you put it as the once again, a knock, another thing that is often just overlooked like, oh well, I got uh, I got green string bone like 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 everyone is trying to like color match their thing and not thinking about the actual components of how important the knock is in terms of your uh, serving serving string so that's uh so how would someone figure out if they should get the s fire knock as well to know if they're in those parameters what's the best way to figure that out
2: as far as like center serving yeah i think you can get a mic and just measure it if you have a mic laying around if not like just contact your bow manufacturer see what the default string is or if you're if you have custom strings you can order them to any uh any size you want, so if you're ordering custom strings, like know that up front and but if you don't, like just contact your manufacturer, they'll tell you for sure,
1: very important how would you say that's extremely important before you press order?
2: yeah, that is oh yeah, i mean it's not a it's not a it's not a a, a thing that's like going to totally trash the build because you can you can buy third party knocks and just pull i mean they're just insert knocks, so pull them out and install a new knock unless you have the lighted option if you're going the lighted option like it is important that your serving size is, is correct. Because what happens if it's too tight, your shaft is going to end up leaving after the shot and your knock's going to stay on your arrow. Or you'll have pinch. Like at full draw, your arrow is going to lift up off your rest.
1: Yeah. Anything else on the knocks?
2: I think that, no. I, unless you have anything, Cameron, that covers the back end. Yeah, that's it. Okay.
1: Um, what about this, the CTI on the front end? Let's talk about that. Another pretty exciting thing. So we'll talk about the, uh, the inner tube of the arrow.
2: Yeah, so this is different. This is going to be foreign for a lot of people. I think most, uh, all custom, most custom built arrows, like you're buying a shaft with wraps, fletching, some type of insert or outsert, and knock. Like there's nothing going on on the inside of of the actual carbon shaft itself. We're taking a different approach to that because of some performance increases. So in our builds, we're actually putting a six inch inner carbon tube or inner carbon shaft in the front of these arrows. And they weigh about anywhere from, I don't know, 30 to 32 grains in total on the front end of the shaft. So there's a couple of reasons for that. One is it changes how your arrow reacts after the shot. Like I mentioned that, you, that, that these things, um, you know, in my example, I'm shooting a 30 inch arrow, but they're reacting like a 25 inch arrow, meaning they're recovering faster that's possible because that shaft itself is elongating the front node on your arrow shaft.
1: And Cameron has a really good example of, of explaining that. in, in a what'd you say, a uh, arts and crafts version? Yeah. Yeah. You know, go out to the sidewalk and get a chalk piece of chalk. Yeah.
0: You could take, you can walk outside with your daughter, or your, your son and draw this, draw this on the sidewalk. But if you picture your arrow shaft as a goldfish or a tuna fish or a fat fish, the, that tail end of it is your broadhead the mouth of the fish is your field point or your uh or no your veins the mouth is the veins and uh the knock the point at which the wavelengths cross for the tail is the node of your arrow or the the point at which all the um work and all the vibration vibration yep all the vibration and everything is minimized so that's the spot on the aerial arrow where there's minimal movement and what adding that six inch carbon tube to the arrow does is takes that fat tuna fish or goldfish and turns it into a walleye. So those wavelengths are shortened. The arrow is, the node is elongated. It's more consistent. It's more forgiving and it's more
1: efficient.
2: Yeah. So efficient downrange, meaning it comes in equilibrium faster. You're losing less velocity.
1: That seems like a lot, like making your arrow perform five inches less.
2: It is. Yeah, it is a lot. And when you start getting in the specifics about the performance, it does get pretty darn complicated. A lot and, of variables. Yeah. There's a lot of variables in there. Um, but those results, as far as like, you know, reacting like, uh, you know, five inches shorter, basically, uh, or 4.8 inches shorter, I think is the actual number. It's 60%, um, of the effective length of that six inch carbon tube is what it's, what it's, what it's changing. That has been pretty consistent.
1: Interesting. Anything else to add on that?
2: Well, I mean there's some stuff that goes into the craftsmanship of of those builds, but essentially that inner carbon tube um is applied so your your actual insert of your shaft. So we have a 6061 T6 aluminum insert that's 19 grains I believe, and then we have a brass insert that's 30 grains. And that inner carbon tube, your insert's going to go into that inner carbon tube and then that gets assembled as one unit inside of your 246 shaft. So the front of that shaft is is there's several components there, all all kind of c- combining into one.
0: Another benefit to that CTI outside of quicker recovery times on your arrow is the structural integrity of the arrow.
2: hundred percent. That's a good point.
0: And it it it, do, it does it by not necessarily thickening the wall because having a thicker wall shaft is something we wanted to stay away from for this. Um, it adds another layer of carbon in underneath the front six inches of your arrow, which. Every time you shoot a deer, the front six inches of your arrow is most likely going to come in contact with the deer. So the structural integrity of the arrow is stronger up front. It's reinforced.
1: Valid points. Yeah. And so I, you, you touched a little bit about the uh, craftsmanship of these arrows. So you're saying we're just not slapping these things together on a factory line?
2: No, I think this is really, really, really important. Um, I mean, Cameron, I don't I don't know if we mentioned this um previously, but you had a pretty poor experience with a, a custom solution or custom custom builder last year.
0: Yeah, it's two years ago. Two years ago. Um, and because of the issues that I went through, so let me just, I used a custom arrow solution and uh, they were custom made arrows for me. I shot a few deer with those arrows and they killed the deer, but every arrow, I shot five deer with those arrows and three of the five arrows broke in the very same exact spot. I did not come in contact with any bone. I thought maybe I had. Um, I shot right in that deadly V, like perfect shot placement. And my broadheads perform extremely well. It's not a broadhead issue. Every arrow, or three of the five arrows broke in the very same exact spot. Those are the same arrows that took two and a half months to get to me. So those arrows weren't necessarily built correctly for what I was shooting. They just were like, oh, it's been two and a half months. We need to get him an arrow. Because of the frustrations that I went through from that waiting two and a half months when I needed replacement arrows, I just ordered the same thing again. And I got the same results because the arrows weren't made specifically for me carefully. They were just thrown together and this'll work for you. Go ahead. I so let me just give you a, a short example on specs. 27 and a half inch draw. I was shooting 65 pounds and I wanted to shoot like a 14 to 15% high FOC arrow. What would the spine be on our spine chart?
2: Three fifty.
0: I was shooting a two hundred and fifty spined arrow for the last two years, which is what you shoot out of an eighty pound bow with thirty inch draw length, like it's about as stiff as it gets. And they had me in that at a sixty five pound bow and a twenty seven half inch draw length. So that's just kind of the, um, the craftsmanship, the thought behind what's going on and why we're how we're tailoring things to you.
2: Yeah. I mean, on, on the craftsmanship side, there are some added steps that we're doing to make the builds consistent. One of them is we are weighing and sorting components down to two tenths of a or a fifth of a grain, basically. Um, so part of that comes with building a dozen arrows and using a six inch carbon inner tube on the, on the front end. So if we go build a you know a dozen a dozen of these um, dozen of these arrows and we're just grabbing CTIs from out of a bag, out of a box, out of a pile, and if there's one or two grains difference there, by the time you get those builds, you might have five or six different arrows that, you know, a grain here, a grain there, all of a sudden they're five or six grains difference without even putting a broadhead or a field point on them. So weighing everything up front gives us the ability to be within just one or two grains of of the total build, which I think is a really important point to give people a total arrow weight Consistency that is at an elite level.
1: Yeah. Well, how many of us have by a dozen they get like two or three arrows that suck. Like they're always just like two inches to the right, two inches to the right, two inches to the right every time. And then you get rid of those two, and then you're sighting in your HHA one pin sight outside, and there's a slight breeze, and you lose two more arrows. So now you're down to like of the dozen, you're already down to like eight effective arrows, and then you got six in your quiver, and you have two spare arrows for five. You know, like eliminates that as well. Like the arrows you get are all going to behave.
2: Yeah, and I'm not saying like if you're arrow, you're broadhead, or whatever. Like if there's a couple grain difference, like is it the end of the world? No, again. But it goes back to taking those variables out of the thought process. Like if you can, if you can control something, control it. And this is something we can control up front. A lot like you know our quality control process on the trail cameras. If we can control it, we're going to control it for sure.
1: So what about uh, are we spining these before? Are we are we checking
2: the what are we doing on before yeah. we even put fletchings on? Yep. So after you build the front ends, so you got to build the front ends first before we can spine index because after you insert that inner carbon tube, you're essentially changing the, the the dynamic the dynamic spine of that shaft, right? So when we're building the front ends of these of these shafts, everything's getting washed, everything's getting a bath in in acetone. It gets built with high end epoxy, and then those allow we're allowing them 24 hours to cure vertically to have proper adhesion and consistent adhesion with that adhesive um, inside, inside of that, uh, inside the shaft. So all the way around 360 degrees, you have an even distribution of that epoxy um, leading to a better build. So we're not laying them down on their side where everything's, you know, gravity's taking effect. um, Everything's getting washed, premium adhesives. And they're being uh, they're given 24 hours for that to set up and cure before we go and build the back ends. Once the front ends are built, every single shaft gets spine indexed, or we mark the first dynamic bend. So when you look at a shaft, there's a couple different bends or spines in a shaft. Now, this is different than the static spine. This is what, I guess, the dynamic spine. But basically, we're indexing them, so the weakest portion of that spine is facing up. So when you look at a, the dynamic shaft of, a, of, a, of, an, of an arrow... You're going to have a strong side, you're going to have a secondary strong point, and then you're going to have a weak point. That weak point is consistent. That's where that arrow flexes. So we want that up, and that's where our cock vein is going. Now, there's other ways to accomplish that, right? Like when you start bear shaft tuning, when you start bear shaft tuning and you start playing with knock placement and you start turning your knocks, you know, shoot shoot a shaft, see what it does, see how it flies, turn your knock an eighth, uh, eighth of a turn, shoot it again, turn another eighth of a turn, and you're trying to find that spot where your knock's aligned with with the dynamic spine or that first dynamic bend, the index, the spine index for that arrow to fly properly. That takes a lot of freaking time. I've been there. I went down that wormhole last year. It can be frustrating. We're taking, again, we can control that. So we're doing this. We're doing the work for you up front. Like take that out of the equation. Now you may have to play with that just a little bit, maybe a 16th here, 16th there to kind of really dial it in. But I guarantee you out of the box, you're going to shoot better groups with these arrows than, um, you were anything else like that came from the factory.
1: Yeah, that's that's huge. I mean, that is very important. Out of the box, they're built. They're built different. They're they're like that's a phrase in today's society. Like that old boy is built different. These arrows are built different uh, within the same tone and dialect. So, um, what about um, the the manufacturing process in terms of um, one end being tapered? Is is that does that occur with our arrows?
2: Nope. So we have consistent consistent inner and outer diameter all the way through the entire arrow shaft because we're using a ceramic mandrel, which is heated and then cooled before it's pulled. So the typical process, um, I believe, is using aluminum. Is that correct, Cameron? Aluminum mandrel. And those things were ripped out when they're, when the arrow or the carbon is still not fully cured, and it gives you a, a tapered shaft. So that's not the case with uh, what we have going on. We have a consistent diameter, both inner and outer, on both ends of the arrow.
1: For sure. I'm excited to use these this year. I tell you what, um, I've I've used some of these arrow shafts in the past. Um, and honestly, the the 246 has been kind of the safety net every year, usually come October. Um digging through all my stuff. Like, oh, here's some, and then I uh, you end up using those a lot of times too. So um, and there's a variety of reasons. But how pumped are you to shoot a big old buck with the MMT?
2: I'm I'm excited, man. I'm excited just to finally be able to talk about this stuff and not have it behind closed doors and like we've been shipping arrows to partners for the last couple of weeks now letting them shoot them seeing what they think like this morning we got a picture from uh yeah, Hepler point. like just shooting I mean I don't know 1 inch groups and I don't know what distance he was shooting at but he was like the first three arrows out of the box were touching each other um so it's just cool to see an impact I guess uh with the people that have have had these things in their hands for a little while now I don't know how much cooler it gets when you can say that you know, you're you're tracking down a deer with your scouting and, and your trail cameras, and then you also kill them, kill them with your arrow. Like that's that's pretty that's pretty cool. I'm ready for a bright red film
1: over the logo. I mean, that's all I have to say. Um, Cameron, how excited are you to use these?
0: Man, I'm 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 super excited. I think everything's kind of coming together. I think uh collectively in the office, I've probably shot them the most, um, played with them the most and built a bunch of them. And my I'm shooting, I have two bows now, and I'm shooting right now, I'm shooting my triax, and I shot one arrow at 20 yards. I just got my bow back, shot one arrow at 20 yards, moved back to 30 yards and beat the knockoff that arrow at 20 yards. So these things are consistent, man. It's, it is exciting, in a year where I'm potentially going to draw Iowa, going back to North Dakota, and I have, like, a chance to put these things to the test, like actually really hammer it home, and I'm, I'm really excited for it. It's a it's a product that we've been working on for a long time. It's cool to see it come to light.
2: Yeah, and I think it's going to be cool for consumers too, and just viewers and uh, folks you know consuming our content. Like, there's a lot of people that love the content that you know don't dive down or or purchase trail cameras because we are on on the upper uh, end of a of a price point. Like the guys, a lot of public land guys are running you know task cams or or not task cams but Tascos because they're 50 bucks or wild games or you know whatever their reason is. Well, now we have another product category that if, you know, if you relate to the brand, if you're consuming our content and we're providing some value, there's another opportunity to, you know, to help us achieve our, our objectives of, of, of helping people.
1: Don't think you're doing us a favor. You're getting the best freaking arrow for for whitetail hunting too. Oh, absolutely. So not only do you get to support what we're doing, you also get like a extremely superior uh, arrow, arrow shaft, you know, tailored to you, built for you. So that definitely is very exciting. And I uh, ho- hopefully everyone takes advantage of that because I think, man, I, a lot of conversations like you just said at trade shows and everything else. Love what you guys do. Everything else, how many cameras do you run? Zero. Um, so where are these? Where are these landing <laughs> in terms of yeah, where? Where are these landing in terms of uh, price point? What can people expect to pay?
2: Well, the, I think the, def- the default price with like the the boning knocks and like the your typical um, typical build time, I think is two thirty nine. Does that sound right? And then there's some there's some added charges in there. If you want lighted knocks, they're gonna be more expensive. If you want overnight builds, it's gonna be more expensive. But that base price is set at 239. Really reasonable
1: considering yeah, what you're definitely.
0: getting. Yeah, I like that custom experience that took me two and a half months to get and broke every time I shot a deer was two eighty.
1: Yeah. I remember I got some arrows fletched at an archery shop maybe last year, might have been two years ago now. Had everything besides the had the shafts. So I had to buy the fletchings. I had to buy the components, and then they had to put them together. It was like hundred and fifty dollars
2: on the labor and components.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I was like, "Man, so you're getting? I guarantee these are going to be built with more TLC than what those were as well."
0: Yeah, the time that goes into this is substantial, hundred percent.
1: And so, yep. um, you know, when you look at that price point, I, I mean, I think it's, uh, I think it's extremely fair for for what you're getting.
2: So, and there's still the option for like the half dozen purchases too, like. That price is set for a, for a dozen, so.
1: Yep, half, half of 239 So, what do you say? Should we give away a few of these? We haven't done a giveaway on here in forever.
2: I think we should.
1: So, how many do we want to give away? Five dozen?
2: And we're going to, yeah, that's fine. Let's do five dozen, but let's cut it up so ten, so 10 people. You want to do half dozens, or you just want to do full dozens?
1: I mean, I think you got to do a dozen.
2: Okay, do five dozen.
1: Five dozen, and we'll do that across the Land Podcast, the Exodus Podcast, and the Beer Gear Podcast. So, if you listen to those, you're going to hear the same pitch. But you got to leave a written review wherever you listen to this. Yeah, leave a written review. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, leave a comment hit the subscribe and notification. Pretty pretty easy way to get into uh do some fresh arrows for this upcoming season. And if you already left a written review, we really appreciate that, but you can go in and actually update that so you're fresh on top of the list. And it's June 15th, so any review after June 15th, we are going to throw you, throw your hat into the their name of the hat.
2: And if you're feeling really froggy, we're going to have a pretty cool launch video. Give that a share.
1: Yeah, that'd be helpful too. So and also, too, if you have any questions or you're curious uh, what your build may be, reach out to us. And um, that's another, another thing, too. Like, if you have a specific questions, we want to help educate everyone and make sure you're getting exactly what you need. So um, anything else from you guys?
2: I don't think so, man. I'm just ready ready to get these things in people's hands. Just excited for, uh, you know, the future, future here at Exodus. All right.
1: That's it. Appreciate it. Um, if you guys have questions, reach out.